Welcome to Poetry Presents, the podcast for emerging and aspiring poets. I'm Indrani Pereira, the founder of Poetry, the home of unheard voices. I'm coming to you from the lands and waterways of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I acknowledge the elders past, present and emerging. I acknowledge that this is stolen land and that sovereignty has never been ceded. In this episode of Poketry Presents, I'm interviewing an established poet about their experience of entering competitions and winning awards. Joining me again today from Wurundjeri country is Dominique Heck, a Belgian-born poet, fiction writer and scholar. Dominique Heck counts among her many honours the Melbourne Fringe Festival Award for Outstanding Writing and Performance, the New England Review Prize for Poetry, the Martha Richardson Medal for Poetry, and the inaugural Alitra Prize for Literary Translation from Spanish into English. She's also a Pushcart nominee and a recipient of the 2018 International Best Poets Prize, administered by the International Poetry Translation and Research Centre in conjunction with the International Academy of Arts and Letters. That's an incredibly impressive list of honours and awards, Dominique. Welcome back. I'm so glad you could join me today. Thank you so much. It's a bit embarrassing, but yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know that I would feel embarrassed if I had so many incredible awards. I think it's a reflection of a body of incredible work that you have produced over your many years as a writer. It may be the case, but it, it, it always feels like I'm bragging when I'm writing this part of the bio. Anyway. Well, we're talking about awards today, so I reckon it's so yeah. definitely good to brag. <laughs> so today I was wanting to take you back in time and ask if you can remember the first prize that you won for your poetry. Yes, I remember it vividly, actually. Um, and it was the same year as I won this Melbourne Fresh Festival Award. Uh, it was actually in the Daffodil Day Award. Um, so I, I won an award for a, a poem called Good Grief, which is actually the title of uh, my first poetry collection. And it's the first poem in that, in that collection. It was amazing because I didn't think I was a poet. I thought I was a fiction writer. And I entered that, that award because I'd been starting writing uh, to write poetry. And I was stunned to actually um, win it. So there was this sense of disbelief and elation, especially given the, um, um, the theme of, of the poem. So the poem is still with you very vividly and you remember what it was about. Did the poem have a form, I wonder? Well, the, um, the judge was Dorothy Porter and I'd been reading quite a, a bit of her poetry and, you know, I thought, why not enter it? So this particular award is about, you know, cancer and I had a niece who was then 18 months old and um, had been diagnosed with leukemia. So I wrote this poem uh, uh, as a tribute to my niece and her mother and imagined, you know, the day the doctor is telling you she's in remission. Of course, we only heard about this, you know, 10 years down the track, but it, it was a, a wish-fulfillment poem. And the form um, probably emulated um, Dorothy Porter's kind of, um, you know, a free kind of free verse, I, th I think, yes. 
And you said that at that point you considered yourself a fiction writer, so it was a surprise that you won for poetry. Had you been writing poetry for long at that time? I'd been writing poetry for about four years. My first you know, poem was written, first poem in English was written in 1994, in July 1994, actually. So this one was written sometime in May 1998. Yeah, but I, 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 I've been sending out poems for publication before. I remember the, the first poem that was published. It was called Birthday, and it was in Australian Women's Book Review, which was um, a thrilling because, you know, I loved Barbara Brooks's work, you know, as a writer, but also as a feminist writer. It was like I'd been let into, you know, the, the wider symbolic world. You said that you'd been writing poetry in English for four years at that point. Does that mean that you had been writing in other languages before then, your poetry? Well, you know, like most adolescents or whatever, I'd been writing. I'd been writing fiction since I was a child, or maybe there were prose poems. I don't know. That that body of work is is lost. But, um, yeah, I I, I wrote some poems uh, in French uh, in my 20s and never attempted to actually publish them although they might be the skeleton of one of them in my first novel. It's not in French. It will have been translated in, in English. Do you do that often, take something that you have written and shift it into another genre? So you've gone from, or is it a form? I'm not quite sure of the terminology, but you went from that poem in French and then it became a skeleton for a novel. So is that something that you do, go between the different types of writing? I suppose they do. The way some some poems are not meant to be, you know, some poems are um, discarded, just like you know, they are stillborn or bolted or however you want to to put it metaphorically. And but but sometimes something will come back in other writing, and that. Yeah, that poem I wrote in French um, came back because I think I all, almost memorised it. So, you know, it's like an earworm that comes back to you and sometimes and totally unbidden. I'm curious to know if your style or your writing has changed since then, since you won that first prize. Yes, actually, it's interesting because um, if you, you look at that collection, Good Grief, it's the most adventurous poem, actually, and uh, I don't think I revised it much. And the rest of the collection is a lot more self-conscious. So I was really trying hard, you know, to write a poem that rhymes or, um, you know, that centers around an image or whatever. I was you know, trying my hand at writing poetry uh, in a very self-conscious way. And I think looking back at it, I think it's the most successful poem of the collection. And maybe because, because it came from um, a gut feeling, you know, and, and, and um, a fear that this child would die and empathy. You know, for the family. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's 
it's it's complex. Some of the other poems in that collection are just ekphrastic poems, or you know, I, I can't even remember. To pull up on on your question, yes, I, I, I've learned to to trust the poem, to trust the rhythm, rather than try to contrive a poem into into a frame or to try and uh, uh, attain a clarity of image or whatever. Which, which are things that I thought a poem was about before, you know, I started to get more adventurous. So these things are important, um, like, you know, clarity of elocution, clarity of image are important. But for me, but it's more part of the revision process now than the writing. So is it fair to say that when you're first writing, the impulse is to get whatever it is you want to express on the page and then afterwards that's when you go and refine and you will then get the clarity? I think it's the way to go. I mean, this poem, um, Good Grief, was written very much, you know, um, without not thinking too much about where the poem was going and letting images sort of um, spill onto the page. And I think it's much more um, successful than other poems that I I tried hard to, you know, write a nice poem in couplets or whatever. And do you think that's important for your writing as a whole and now that there's that sort of emotional truth or that authenticity? I think that's where poetry comes from. And sometimes you can't you can't help it. Sometimes you know I've written so many poems about grief or impending grief or whatever, but there are things that that I live through, and I need to um, to put down in words. So I don't know whether it's self indulgent or not, and I don't really care what people think, but. And is that a good philosophy to have when you're writing, is to not care what people think? Well, I think you have to, you have a responsibility to um, to the people you are writing about. So sometimes I worry about, you know, putting my children in a poem or not. But sometimes, yes, because I fear for them. Or whatever, they are there. They are not named. But the feeling, you, you will understand that, you know, that's where it's where it comes from yes um i think with time you become not indifferent but you care less about what people think about your writing so there is a liberating effect i suppose that comes with time do you think that also comes with the skill and experience that goes with time that you're putting into the craft well the more you you write and the more you read you find out that finally, you know, there there is no canon, of course, thank God, uh, and you are free to experiment with form, with theme, with whatever. I'm wondering, just to sort of take a different tack now a little bit, and I'm wondering mm-hmm. how you choose which competitions to enter. And sort of it's a two-part question and also how you decide which poems to enter, you know, which ones are, are good enough to send off. Competitions are a bit of a gamble. So I used to, you know, you, I subscribe to a, 
particular writer centers and so forth. So I get, you know, the, the list and uh, more recently, uh, having more time to devote to poetry, I've, it, it's opened internationally. I used to, you know, send poems to most, you know, Australian competitions that were publicized in the, the Victorian Writers um, Center booklet. Uh, and um, the full uh, fellowship of Australian writers sort of a newsletter. Yeah, I don't think I'm infringing any, you know, any law by just naming those two organizations. But uh, um, I, I'm casting my, my net a little bit wider these days, I think. But part of it is um, testing other I was going to say markets, but it's not really markets. It's it's audiences more than anything else. So, you know, I've sent poems to to the Welsh Prize and to the Montreal Prize and so forth. And part of it is the, the thrill of, of the challenge because, yeah, to enter a competition, you know it's a gamble, but you need to like the gamble. That is a challenge. And I don't know whether a poem is, is good enough or not. I usually send a po- poem that I think is good enough, but sometimes it doesn't get anywhere. And sometimes it's long-listed or short-listed. Or if I win a prize, well, that's, that's a bonus, but you, you don't know. And that's to do with who is judging the competition. It's the judging process sometimes. Um, it will be judged by academic lecturers before it gets to the judges. And sometimes the judges will share um, that there are different processes. Do the competitions tell you what process is involved in the judging? Not always, not always. But, but I know, certainly in Melbourne, I know that, you know, some prizes it will, be, will be going to a committee and then the, the judge will, will only consider the, the long list or the short list. Smaller competitions, especially, you know, um, in England, the ones I've been involved in sometimes only have one judge. And then it is very important to actually check out and the judge's writing. I think it's two years ago I sent a, a poem which I thought was pretty good. And um, I read the judge's report and find out that she wrote in rhyming couplets. And so I thought, mm, I should have checked that. What she was writing, yeah, to further my chances. Anyway, that was, that was an enlightening moment. I'm not saying that all judges will pick poems that mirror their own writing, but, you know, if you read a person's work, you know whether they have a conservative poetics or whether they are more open to, um, to different forms and certainly experimental um, stuff. And would you say that different prizes have sort of different flavours to them? So some prizes might be more conservative in the sorts of poetry that they award the prize to and others might be more experimental? Yes. So it helps to actually read who won the prize previously. That's in addition to actually reading up on the judges' writing. 
Because, of course, when you send your poem off somewhere, then you have to wait until they accept or reject it before you can send it again. And it would be a shame to send something fabulously experimental to a very conservative prize where it doesn't have a chance. Yes, indeed. And there are some prizes I, I don't enter because the institution does not correspond to my philosophy or something like that. Yes, so a bit more choosy these days. One is with journals you know I think that's a good thing to mention because when you start it's very easy to send your work just everywhere and just be incredibly grateful to be published or win a prize but perhaps it could be good to step back and think do I want to be published here exactly yeah and when you start off you're not always aware of the politics you know behind the scenes and then yes you become a bit wiser I'm wondering if you share those poems with anybody else before you send them into a competition. I used not to, to share my poems. I don't know whether it was hubris or <laughs> complete, you know. Um, but um, if it's a, a, a big, a big one, I want to get the poem, you know, as best as it can. And I will share it with somebody I trust and somebody I know will be harsh. So somebody who's got a good background in editing and is also a poet is a prime choice. So, uh, yeah, I just you know, sent two poems to somebody of that, of that calibre, and I don't know what, what they are going to say. Yeah, I'm entering the, the Peter Porter Prize, which I probably submitted like 10 years ago and then I thought yeah you saw you, you see who's who wins and you say oh you know I'm too small and this year I thought because I, I kind of prepared myself for it I thought why not go for it I know that more than 1,000 people are going to submit but why not try your best yes so something really important like that I well I've done it and do you find that preparing a piece for a competition such as the Peter Porter Prize helps to push that poem and your writing further than it would otherwise go? When you you get a notice about, you know, competitions or whatever and you want to enter it, I would advise, you know, poets to actually start writing now, really early, because last-minute poems uh, won't fly. I've done it, you know, a um, couple of times. And then looking back on those poems, I thought they were half cooked or half baked. So, yes, a poem needs to stay with you and you sleep, breathe. And yes, then revision is so important. And of course, having somebody else's eye on it. At the last minute, when you, or not really at the last minute, but before you actually do your last, very last revision, is important. You know, somebody will pick on on a word that does not um, that jars or a rhythm or you know punctuation or whatever. I I value a person's ruthless sort of um, review of the poem or um, reading of the poem. Also, it's important to know that when all is said and done, you are the last judge of your poem. So, you know, sometimes, you know, I've 
send a poem, I've sent poems to um, trusted readers and they sent me back, you know, a different poem. And I thought they did not get it. They made a, a dog's dinner out of the poem because, you know, they had another a totally other vision. And, and I thought, hang on, heck, um, maybe it's because you did not make it clear in the beginning. And I looked at the opening stanza and it was not clear enough where I wanted to go. And I thought, yeah, they would not have said all of this had this been clearer. Sometimes it's just one word that you need to change. And so when that happens, you go back and you fix that stanza or that word so your meaning is now clear. Would you then send it back to that reader and say, this is more what I was getting at, you know, can I have your feedback? Or would you just sort of go, oh, I just needed to fix that and then the poems, it's good? No, I don't send it back, you know, because readers get bored too. <laughs> and so if I'm bored with a poem, I, I, I don't you know, want my friends to be bored with it. So I'm grateful for whatever, you know, and then it becomes a collaboration. It's no longer my poem. And so the point is, uh, is lost. It's interesting that you're making that distinction between getting feedback but not crossing the line over into it becoming a collaboration by sort of a backwards and forwards. I, I think it's different if you are mentoring people, you know. I've, I've taught creative writing and um, so you do that with students and it's part of your job but not, you know, when you sign your work and send it out. I, I don't think, I, I certainly don't think it's appropriate anymore. Yeah, you, you have to take risks. I was wanting to ask you something. I'm not quite sure how to phrase it, but something about how do you separate yourself and your personal investment in the poem from the poem itself so that when you get that feedback, you're not taking it personally and you can be dispassionate about the feedback and take it on board? Well, that's why I insist on, you know, um, sending it to somebody you trust somebody who's not going to you know, appropriate your words or um, not send you a, a nasty you know, email like a, some of the rejection slips you might get sometimes. And it's an act of friendship, but it is framed in professional terms. You know? And also, it's not a one-way street. You, know? you, you do the, the same for that person. The value of having poetry friendships, robust poetry friendships that you can share work with each other. That's right. It's a dialogue or, you know, a brief conversation and um, we just leave it at that. I'm wondering about awards and you spoke earlier about the first prize that you won for your poetry and how that felt but I'm wondering what it's like when you don't win an award and, and how you deal with that inevitable rejection that all writers have to deal with. Well, rejections are just part of a, writer, a writer's life. Actually, it's, it's part of you know, our love life and everything. But I, I'm, not, I'm not upset if I don't win an award. As I said, I think it's a gamble. I don't expect to win. It's, it's great if, if I do. It was not so when I first started, you know, to send poetry out, not to competitions, but just to journals. 
first rejection slips hurt. And yeah, I used to collect them in a huge manila folder. And then uh, it got too big and I stopped uh, collecting them. And also, I think you learn not to take things personally. That's all. It's a bit like, you know, you get a slap in the face and uh, it might not be, you know, because of what you did or said. But no, when I write or, or send things out to competitions, I don't expect anything. So my question is then why do you do it if you're not expecting anything? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Well, there is an element of thrill. Maybe it's vanity. I don't know. Yeah, if you want to actually dig deep, it might be that. Or vanity, but also validation. You know, to be validated by somebody whose work you, you respect is your respect is incredibly um, gratifying, actually. That's probably what, what it is. Foucault used to say you, you, you write to be loved. And um, I pondered that for a couple of years. And I don't think it's true. I think people hate me more, <laughs> you know, when I write or the more I write. I don't know. I, yes. Entering competitions, of course, there is the um, publication prospects. That is huge. So, yeah, it is vanity, is it not? And sometimes you you get some money for it, so you can fix your teeth. I'm wondering if there's something that you know now that you wish you'd known back then when you were first entering competitions. I wish... I'd read the line, the guidelines better or more closely because sometimes it involves, you know, formatting and blah, all that. Uh, and also, yes, I wish I'd started writing a poem earlier. No last minute poems. They, as I said, they don't fight. And also, yeah, the importance of revision. I can't stress that more. I'm not sure if you've answered this with what you've just said, but anyway, we'll give it a go. What advice do you have for aspiring poets keen to win awards? Read the guidelines, check out the judges, read their work, start writing early and write like your hair is on fire. You know, you've got to have passion in that poem just don't write something you know because it's going to be another academic poem we need to feel the passion in it the fire hear the crackle i think that's a beautiful note to end this episode of the pocketry presents podcast and thank you so much for joining me again today dominique and sharing your experience of entering competitions for your poetry And I'm hoping that all of the listeners are feeling that their hair is on fire and they're ready to go now to write that poem that's due in three months' time so that they've got a good shot at winning a competition. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. And good luck to all these, you know, poets who are listening. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Dominique has published 11 volumes of poetry as well as a novel and three books of stories. Her most recent poetry collection is Tracks published by Recent Work Press. You can order your copy from the Recent Work Press website. 
And to find out more about Pocketry, the home of unheard voices, visit www.pocketry.com.au and happy writing.